fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Lacey. What you doing? Just studying up on my on our podcast for today. Oh, yeah? There's kind of a lot to it. Uh-huh. Like, there's a lot of different versions of what we're talking about today. Uh, we're not going to have time to talk about all the different versions, but we'll we'll give the people a, a we'll taste. Give, we'll give you what we can. As much as we can mm-hmm. in what little time we have. So, last week we did Sleeping Beauty. Yes. This week, bringing you a kind of similar story. She's well, I guess technically last week you got the ti- you got your tiny tail. That's right. I tale. forgot about that. Hope you enjoyed the tiny tail. Let little, us know. A little bit of unicorns. Yeah, let us know mm-hmm. if you want. More of that. More. I- give us some more ideas for our tiny tails. But um, the last full-length episode was on Sleeping Beauty. And the sleepwalking killer. Uh-huh. And I feel like her counterpart is cinderella i think i feel like cinderella is more i think as a child i liked cinderella better than sleeping beauty we talked about how sleeping beauty wasn't necessarily our favorite and i think part of that's because she was like asleep the whole time so we're sorry for what we do to you today every every different every culture has their own version of cinderella and a cinderella story is as tell as old as time and 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 not all of them are good most of them. Yeah. Most, most of, them, of aren't. them aren't good. Uh, modern day movie remakes that I love before we get into Disney. Yeah. Um, what was the one with Drew Barrymore? Don't. Never seen it. Uh, y- Are you talking about Fifty First Dates? No. Drew Barrymore has a version of Cinderella. It's so good. I um, can. Who uh, else? Anne Hathaway also stars in her own version of Cinderella, Cinderella, which is hilarious. Never seen it. The Drew Barrymore one is heartbreaking. Oh, it's called Ever After. Oh, I'm just thinking of um, Chad Michael Murray. No. Which, where did that's, he go? That's Hilary Duff. She yeah. got her own version, too. Uh-huh. I mean, just like and all, Brandy. These, all these famous people mm-hmm. get their own version of Cinderella. They do. But Disney is, is probably the most famous. Yes. And then even Disney did that live um, oh, version. Yeah. And I enjoyed that. Have you seen it before? I haven't. I haven't seen it in a while, but it was pretty good. But I anyways. So we so, always start off with yeah. the Disney summary. Cinderella was released in 1950, so way back in the day. Uh, brief summary in case you've never seen Cinderella or heard of a Cinderella in been, story. In case you've been living under a rock. Mm-hmm. Cinderella's mother died when she was young, and her father remarries this woman that has two children, but then later he dies. So Cinderella is left with an evil stepmother and two evil stepsisters who force her into being their slave, essentially. Uh, one day they learn that the royal family is hosting a ball in order to find the prince a princess. And because they are embarrassed by Cinderella, and just because they are pure evil, they tear up Cinderella's only dress, and then they head to the ball without her. But with the help of her animal friends, of course, this is Disney. More, we love those animal mm-hmm. animal friends. And her fairy godmother, Cinderella, is able to make it to the ball, and she looks so beautiful that her stepsisters don't even recognize her. Which 
same face just yeah. different hairstyle just, and address she puts don't on recognize dress her and they don't even know who she is uh, the only catch is that cinderella has to be home by midnight or the magic of her dress and etc will wear off so the prince meets cinderella and they seemingly fall in love instantly and right before they are about to kiss cinderella is it cinder cinderella. cinder we you know my girl cinder uh, she realizes that it is almost midnight and she has to flee and when she's fleeing she leaves behind one glass slipper and to track her down, the prince goes all over the city looking for her with this shoe, you know, trying on different people's feet to find the the girl. But, like, you trying to tell me not everybody wears a seven and a half? Like, <laughs> Apparently not. Your foot can fit on my shoe, you know what I'm saying? Oh, no. Um, so, anyways, he finds Cinderella and the shoe fits. And if the shoe fits, you wear it. And then they and lived. Then apparently, you live happily ever. And after. And they lived happily ever after. A couple of things. Have you ever thought about Cinderella's hair color? Because in the movie, her hair is orange. So uh, she, when I think of Cinderella, I think of her as a blonde, but she's not. She know, is a ginger. Say, yeah, I, was, I just was going to say, I don't know, blonde. And, and you know what pisses me off is Uh-oh. in most recent culture, like if she's depicted in any type of marketing or whatever, they've made her hair blonde. No, look at that picture I posted up there. Her hair is orange. <laughs> okay, she's got fair skin, orange hair. It is what it is. It is what it is. I'm saying. I'm sorry I'm, that bothers you. Let's start a, a, a hashtag, petition. make Cinderella gender, well, you know. start a petition. Make that better. But uh, Cinderella apparently wears a size 4.5, which was mentioned in Cinderella 3, which I've never seen. And I was about to say, I feel like this like kind of came up in some of the older stories where it's always, you know, she has these dainty feet or these First of all, that's not feet. even dainty. Well, I, yeah, but it's like, it, it kind of freaked freaked me out when uh-huh. i was like why are you so obsessed with just the fact that she has tiny feet mm-hmm. so um lady tremaine and maleficent are voiced by the same actor oh mm-hmm. did not know that look at you spouting disney facts over here yep 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 um one more fact it cost cinderella cost three million dollars to make and it earned over 85 million dollars so they came out on top yeah, it did better than Sleeping yeah, Beauty. Yeah, I was about to say Sleeping Beauty we talked about was... Mm-hmm. Cost kind of, six million kind of to make. A flop, yeah. Right. It's not a flop, Hannah. No, did not it? a flop, okay, but eventually. Took, it, took a, it took a minute. Mm-hmm. But we all know the basic story of Cinderella, which is a commoner or a peasant or someone facing oppression who rises from the depths, kind of like a phoenix, it's, I guess, yeah. um, and into another social class through marriage. And it's just a common theme that you can see all across different cultures and uh, different geographical locations. So that's yeah. what we're here to bring you today is some different some stories different from stories. across the world. So Disney did not invent Cinderella. They didn't. It. This story goes back almost 2,000 years. This story, you know, with all these different cultures having all their different versions, there's just, it's not original. It's it gets a, interesting, too. It, and yeah, some of these get wild. And we can't cover them all. We really can't. I wish we could, but maybe a part two or maybe a tiny tale if we, you know, yes. fi- find another one that's just absolutely absurd, which we probably mm-hmm. will. Obviously, some of our main main guys have their own version. Perot, uh, Perot's the French guy, Grimm, uh, Jim Battista Basile, they all have their own versions. Uh, however, one of the very first recorded story versions of this like Cinderella-esque type figure dates back to Greece, which the Greeks and the Egyptians, everything goes back to them. They just, they, they created the world. They did. They created the world. They, they created, created all things. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. 
So the Greek story uh, dates back to the 6th century BCE. It is often accredited to the Greek historian Strabo. I am sure that's not how you pronounce it in the Greek language. You know Strabo. That's the southern pronunciation of it. Strabo. In this ancient story, there is a Greek courtesan, which means a lady who courts men. Also known as a prostitute. Which is the, the... the story version, you know, the formal version of saying that. And her name is Rodopus, which means rosy-cheeked, which I think is kind of sweet. But it's also kind of like a play yeah, on I'm her sure. being a prostitute. Yeah, like I'm rosy sh- cheeks is probably not your facial cheeks. Yeah, yeah. It could, or it could be like, you know, very colored makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I'm going to go with it being sweet. Because um, the, the Cinderella version we have today it has her as a much more pure protagonist character. Mm-hmm. In this version, she has it, it has the classic shoe moment. One of her shoes is stolen by an eagle. Uh, it flies all the way across the Mediterranean, um, drops it in the lap of an Egyptian king. So I think Egypt also kind of claimed this story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he finds this shoe and decides it's a sign from heaven. It, it fell from the heavens. I mean, an eagle it, dropped according it. According to him, it, yeah, it fell from the heavens. So this is kind of both literal and metaf- metaphorical for him. He decides to go on this quest to find the owner of the shoe. And he's one, too. We talked kind of a little earlier about just... he. So he's never met this person, which is obviously different than the Disney Cinderella. He just has this shoe. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like, small and dainty and, like, delicate that, like, that's what attracts him to it. Mm-hmm. He eventually finds her. He marries her. She is kind of raised from this lower status of life as a courtesan, as kind of this slave to her work. Uh, She ends up inheriting the throne. A lot of people say that she was a a real life person, um, or at least, you know, inspired. Maybe this didn't actually, maybe the whole shoe eagle thing didn't happen, but she was supposed to be inspired by a real life person. Mm -hmm. The ancient Greek historian Herodotus wrote about her. Um, so she kind of, you know, you've got some overlap between history and, uh, fiction. The real Rhodopis did not come from Egypt. She was from Thrace or, again, I don't know if I'm saying that right, modern day Bulgaria. Which I don't even know where that's at, but somewhere. We're so good at geography. Europe. Uh, as a girl, Rhodopis was sold into slavery, most likely like a sex slavery. Uh, supposedly the same slave trader who purchased her also purchased um, Aesop from like Aesop's Fables. Why not? Storytell. I mean, so. I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that was a real person. Um, which, I mean, that could probably be, we could do some fables whole, and go into the history of Aesop's Fables. A whole episode Aesop's on Fables Aesop. Our, Stay yeah, tuned. In a whole other episode. Anyway, so she kind of gets this like celebrity status if you will, like everyone knows the name Rodopus. She got that good, good. Yeah. She, I mean, mm-hmm. enough to where people are writing about her. Right. So this is kind of where historians believe that she found the real Rodopus found a wealthy man, man named Chiraxos. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. He apparently um, bought Rodopus from her owner and then, set her free thinking that she would stay with him. So trying to, you know, trying to be the good guy in the story, but she apparently left, took his money and just went 
out on I mean, the town. If you're, I mean, if you're in this whole life of slavery and someone offers you freedom, mm-hmm. there's also the very likely chance that you're going to go enjoy your freedom. Get it, girl. So she apparently did that, uh, lived it up in Egypt, uh, became very popular, uh, had a long list of lovers on her own dime, right, right or her own kind of... Mm-hmm. She didn't need Troxas. Right, she, or, and she didn't, you know, now that she's she's in con- more in control of her, her life and her relationships. So the only reason historians really knew, even knew Chiraxos' name was because of his connection to all these famous women and including other famous women. Um, his sister was Sappho of Lesbos and she wrote poems about love. So he was kind of related to this famous love poet writer of 600 BCE. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't know poetry went back that far. Mm. Uh, so this famous poetess, um, she threw a fit. She was very upset. Um, she, she threw a fit by writing poems. Mm-hmm. She put uh, Rodopas on blast. As she some did. Would say. She did through her poetry because she had, you know, apparently like, you know, wooed her brother and and offended her brother and used her. Her skills, if you will, her to, skills with a Z. to steal to steal his wealth and to run away with all of his money. Mm-hmm. So she kind of got yeah, Rodopas got blasted. So she was written about in history. She was written about in story, like fiction, folk tale, and she mm-hmm. was written about in poetry. Famous lady. So there you go. So there's there's one version of Cinderella. Another one, which is an early one of the earlier earlier versions, is uh, comes from China. This is a Chinese fairy tale called. Yi Xian. That was so good. I Google translated it. Like earlier. almost just went. <gasps> Thank you. Um, One more time. Yi Xian. Oh. Thank you. A little different than the Rodopa story. Uh, Yi Xian uh, shifts kind of the story away from this slavery prostitution world and into more of the family setting, which is what we see with, with Disney. Mm-hmm. A little more magic involved, uh, you know, Greek Egyptian stories a lot of times had to do with like weather and nature. Um, this one has more to do. It has a little bit more magic involved in it. And this is where, because of that, this is where we get the archetype of the mentor, specifically the godmother or god fairy type of character. Okay. Uh, Yi Xian is a young Chinese girl who has a wicked stepmother and obviously hor- horrible stepsister. She's forced to carry out lowly chores around the home, which again, we know that, that version. Mm-hmm. Uh, in her despair, this, this, this part's different, a little similar, a little different. Uh, in her despair, just sad life, she befriends a fish in the local lake. As one does. I mean, it, so it's, it's the animal thing, but mm-hmm. you, uh, other than Ariel, you ever seen a... Nope, just flounder. Uh, just you ever seen a, a, fish, a fish friend? But because she's got an evil stepmother, when her uh, stepmother finds out about this friendship, uh, it makes her upset that she's friends with a fish. So she captures the fish, she cooks it, and uh, serves it for the family for dinner. <laughs> you <laughs> hate to see it. Horrible. However, uh, a male spirit, okay, probably one of the ancestors, I've, I'm picturing like in Mulan, the um, spirits, mm-hmm. appears and tells Yixian to bury the bones of the fish and that if she asks it, it will be able to grant her wishes. So kind of where you get some of this wishbone type of story. That's true. When the New Year festival arrives, the stepmother and stepsister, uh, it's the New Year's festival is kind of this their version of the ball. Mm-hmm. 
stepmother and stepsister prohibit Yuxian from attending, so she has to stay home. She has to clean the house. Uh, she really wants to go to the festival, so she goes back to those fish bones, and she makes a wish, and suddenly she finds herself with this beautiful ball gown and beautiful golden slippers. There she is. There she is. She goes to the festival, uh, but leaves in a rush when she you know, suspects that she's been recognized by her family. Then, as you know, she leaves in haste, loses a slipper. Slippers eventually found by this time by a poor man uh, who traded or brought the shoe to the nearby king. So you've got kind of the king connection, like in the Rodopis story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the king is again. So so the poor man means um, Yixian never met the king. So the mm-hmm. the only connection is the shoe. He sees the shoe. He's enthralled with the shoe. Loves the thought of a girl that is so delicate and dainty that her tiny little foot can fit into such a small shoe. And this that's like a Chinese thing. Remember yeah, where they used yeah, to wrap the, feet? Right, the, the um, foot binding. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was supposed to be something that, it was something that they like revered and they thought mm-hmm. was beautiful. So different than our version of the story where like, I don't know, they actually meet mm-hmm. and like have a connection other than like a foot a thing. Foot. Yeah. yeah. Foot, hashtag foot thing. Foot thing. King, don't look that up. Please don't. <laughs> um, the king goes again, finds, you know, enthralled the shoe, finds decides to go across town finding the slippers owner isn't able to find her so he puts the shoe like on display in the kingdom mm-hmm. i guess hope i guess just hoping that somebody's going to recognize it or come back for it i mean cuz it is a golden shoe yeah Yishien eventually does go back to take her slipper because that spirit had told her that in order for the wishbones to work she couldn't lose anything it gave her and so because it gave oh. her the dress and shoes mm-hmm. she couldn't keep making wishes if she had lost those things. So she has to go back and get the shoe. Obviously she's not what they expected. So they think she's a thief trying to steal them. Uh, So she's brought before the King. She tells him her whole tragic story. And the King then does realize that she is who she he's been looking for. So in the end, happily ever after, uh, Yishian and the King, they get married uh, and the, stepmother and stepsister are banished from the kingdom Um, and just the icing on top is that they eventually get killed by a shower of stones yeah good bye yeah so you like that one i liked it better than Than the road rodopi so i think part of the like rodopi story is kind of showing you here's some like history that influenced reality and then that probably influenced the next thing and then that probably influenced the next thing and then all these different cultures throw on their kind of cultural like beliefs or values or whatever so part of where you get some of the differences um but probably the most famous version of the cinderella story uh or i guess it can kind of be traced to two different versions that overlapped a little bit maybe Charles Perrault's version called Cendrillion or like the little glass slipper and the Grimm brothers version, uh, which Ashen Poodle, Ashen Poodle, which means Ash, Ash Maiden, Ashen Poodle, almost like that better than Cinderella. Like Disney just has a movie and it's called Ash Maiden, Ash Maiden. And, and then it's like playing like hardcore metal music. That in the sounds like way more mm-hmm. intense. The Perrault version is Probably the most similar to Disney. You've got the godmother, the pumpkin, the 
carriage. But the grim version. So, so we that's the one we want we to love grim here. Yeah. So that's the one we'll dive into. Yeah. So if you want to look at like pumpkin carriages and all that fun stuff, go look at the Perot version. But if you want to see people's feet get cut off, <laughs> listen to the Grim if version. You want some blood and guts. Uh, the Grim version. So Cinderella's mother, she dies. Father remarries. That's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Evil stepmother to evil stepsister. Similar. Also pretty similar. They take away all of Cinderella's possessions, including her room. So she similar. In- similar. So she ends up sleeping by the fire, which uh-huh. is why, and here's the name, which is why she's always covered in cinders or ashes, hence the name Cinderella. There you go. There you go. Um, in one, I think in one version, they're like one translation, it's a cinder tail, like her bum or cinder bum, because she, she would sit down in the ashes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You hate to see <laughs> that's it. Un- that's unfortunate. Cinderella goes... Uh, every day to her mother's grave where she um, cries and ends up kind of watering this ground with tears. So sad. And because of that, this beautiful tree ends up springing up near the grave because she's been watering it every day with her tears. Mm -hmm. In the tree, there are these little white birds and they kind of act as the fairy godmother. They they grant her wishes, so they're kind Mm -hmm. of the animal meets godmother character. The king holds not just a ball, but a three-day festival to find the prince a wife. Mm. So he's Burning got, Man Festival. Got three opportunities this time instead mm-hmm. of just the one. Cinderella hears about this. She wants to go. She doesn't have a dress. Similar. It's similar. So she goes to the tree. She cries. She says, little tree, little tree, shake over me. That silver and gold may come down and cover me. And then what do you know? Birds are out there just sewing her up a dress. She has a beautiful dress and and slippers, and she's ready for the ball. The prince dances with her the entire night. So think in this one you do have, like, they actually meet. It's not just the shoe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the girl in the shoe. So I do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to f- follow her home, which I'm going to... I know. I'm gonna, Stranger danger. Or I'm going to take that as... He just wants as, to see where she lives. Yeah. I'm a, I, part of me wants to take that as gentlemanly. And then I think the other part of me is, like, he wants to do a little recon and, like, see where she lives, mm-hmm. which he's not going to like. You know, when he finds out where she <laughs> lives. Almost, I can't. I was about to say recon on that. But I'm not going to. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so he he does try to follow her home, but this kind of scares her. So she runs away. Um, she does this two nights in a row. Uh, like in some versions, she hides. Like they're walking together and then she hides. And so he never, you know, never fully gets to see where she, she lives. But he catches on. He does. Because he in this one, he has three opportunities instead of just the one. So mm-hmm. on the third night, he covers the stairs with like this pitch or sap or like tar mm-hmm. so that when she runs away, her um, she gets stuck. But she gets out and leaves it, her shoe behind. Right. So apparently just the one shoe gets stuck. Logistically, I don't know how that works. It don't, don't worry about it. But we're not Alice in Wonderland. Have you seen End of the Woods? The, no. The musical End of the I Woods? I refused. Why? Because they actually do this. I just don't enjoy it. So they actually do this. So I will say that, like, I think the fir- when I first saw Into the Woods, I like I thought that was funny. Where I was like, oh, that's clever, and I thought they were putting like a modern day twist on it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the prince is gonna catch the catch the girl, but I didn't realize until researching that that's actually like true to the original original. Uh-oh. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool. I see. Um, 
So he, the classic same, goes for the whole hunt for the girl who fits in the shoe. But this time, again, not just the fascination with the foot. He actually knows the girl. So he, you would assume, would recognize her. No. No. Ends up going to her house with the shoe. Asks, is there anyone here? whose shoe this could belong to and the stepsisters um offer their feet mm-hmm. uh one of the stepsisters her toes are too long so the mother gives her a knife and says cut the toe off for when you are queen you will never have to go on foot mm-hmm. don't need your toes they don't help with balance or anything like that right. center of gravity so she does mm-hmm. cuts her toes off puts her foot somehow has not passed out, puts her foot in the shoe and the prince like sees the shoe fits. And he's like, at first like, Oh, like, like there we go. Yay, making our way back her. to the palace. And then he heads, yeah. On his way back to the palace, like I guess glances at the foot and just sees blood oozing out of it. And is like, never mind, sends her home. He's not like, Oh, do you have a sore? Right. No, just, but and she's, he, off. He, he his mind little, jumps to, he, she obviously cut off her toes. Right. He seemed, but he does seem a little dense too, because yeah. this happens again. Uh-huh. Stepsister number two, same thing, but this time it's like the back of her foot that will how fit do you in. Have, how do you have a back? I don't, how is your heel? I don't know. Sticking Bunions? Out? I don't know. Oh, okay. Anyway, same deal. Mother also must be, stepmother also must be dense. Cause she's like, Hey, take this knife, cut off the heel of your foot, mm-hmm. which she does. Same thing. He's like, oh, yay, I found her. On the way back to the castle, looks down, more blood oozing out of same said, same shoe. Takes her back. Eventually, Cinderella, no need to cut anything off of her foot. Puts her foot in the shoe. Shoe fits. Happily ever after. Except for the stepsisters. So they oh. they go to the the ball the celebration, whatever, marriage ceremony, whatever it is. They go... Who invited them? In, in the in the um, version I read, or like the um, someone who was talking about it said that they were trying to like make peace, but it also kind of seems like, I don't know, like they're selfish brats. So they probably just wanted mm-hmm. to like... They just probably wedding well, They probably wanted to go to a party. They probably uh-huh. wanted to go... Or they probably wanted to like, you know live off of their sister's mm-hmm. newfound wealth. So like they yeah. couldn't cut her off cause they want to mooch off of her basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't work because, um, the, uh, bird, you know, the little birds that always help Cinderella, mm-hmm. um, in this story, they help Cinderella by, they, by coming and plucking the stepsister's eyes out. Good. You don't need them. You don't need, one of them's got missing eyes and missing toes and the other one's got, no I mean, they're just, the, they're just mangled. Yeah. Yeah. So point. happily ever after plus, Wow. Mangled stepsisters. Very grim, one might say. Oh, it is. I don't understand. They weren't at a masquerade ball. Her face wasn't covered. You don't remember her face after three days? I know. She puts on a dress and you're like, who are you? Different person. Totally different person. Mm. Both the stepsisters and the the prince like Mm -hmm. have problems recognizing her. Math checks out. Math checks out. Um, there, there were a couple. There are so I know. Do you she, hear? she told me about. She was over here giggling as she's reading these about the <laughs> Tibetan one that the stepmom gets her boot her boobies. I, <laughs> I feel like this one needs. To, I don't know if this needs to be like a tiny tale or like a Patreon episode because like there's so much more to this. But I will mention just this one. I'm probably not even going to mention the Tibetan one. I already I mention, did. I know. I will mention because we already said this guy earlier, Jim Batista Basile, the mm-hmm. guy we talked about with Peter Pan. So he wrote one called uh, Legata Sinan Torelli, something. Mm-hmm. Translation 
uh, the cat Cinderella or Cinderella That's cat. Me. There's no cat involved. Mm-hmm. A little confusing, but just quick story before our snack break. Um, in this story, Cinderella um, kills her stepmother mm-hmm. because she has this like governess or like nanny type teacher who convinces her to kill her stepmother. Um, and she does this by shutting like a chest on her stepmother's neck. Like when she's looking mm-hmm. in the chest or whatever. She was like fresh out of guillotines. And just breaks her neck instantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she's then, strong. And then the like governess or like, you know, nanny or whoever ends up marrying the, her dad. Mm-hmm. And she's worse than the stepmother. <sighs> but I don't know. I'd never heard that version of like, oh, have you heard the version of Cinderella where she kills her stepmother and then no, gets a new stepmother that's worse, worse than, than the that first one? Have you ever stepmother? heard the one where the stepmother cuts off her boobies? No, no. Somebody else cuts them off. Oh, well, regardless, they're gone. The Cinderella, yeah, Cinderella mm-hmm. kills her step, her mother by, yeah, decapitating her booty. Yeah, that way, sever- de- severing, <laughs> yeah, severing her breasts and then and like, feeding burning, them to her. Yeah, burning and decapitating the um, uh, ogres. Mm-hmm. There's like ogres involved mm-hmm. in the other versions. Oh, yeah, and snack break. It's about time for that <laughs> when we start talking about boobies. <laughs> I'll I'll digress into that version of the story later. Uh huh. Um, yeah, why don't why don't we let's go snack go to a snack break so Hannah can take a breath. Thanks. All right, bye. Snack break. Mm. Mm. Getting funky this time. Getting funky that time. Hannah's been um, judging my snack break intros. Oh. And she just likes the classic song, but I can't. I do. Lacey I likes just, to mix things up. I'm annoying myself. So and, anyway. And we like to mix things up on our snack break too. We sure do. Today. So we got somebody new again today. We did. That is Trader Nick's Tea. We're so excited. I was going to say, Lacey found these people and like freaked out uh-huh. because. Because we love tea. Well, we love we love snacks. We love snacks. We love tea. tea, and we love Disney. And, and this is Disney, Disney themed, themed tea. What more could you need I mean, in life? I mean, it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. So, this company was founded by a husband and wife team, which I also love. Love that. Kudos to them, mm-hmm. Nick and Nicolette Spears. Which that's precious. Okay, um, they created this company, and they combine their love of Disney and loose leaf tea and their loose leaf teas are sourced from around the world. And they say that it, they are infused with magic and adventure. And that's what I got when I tasted it. I know. Well, and, and we just, I love that little catchphrase. We tried, they sent us a bunch mm-hmm. um, and all the different flavors have like cute connections and themes to obviously to uh, different Disney stories. I need them to hire me and say, this is, the Disney movie we're going with come up with a theme and artwork and I would just like I would do it for oh you would love I would love that so much uh we what were the one we tried three different ones today we tried ghoulish delight there's also midnight pumpkin monorail morning which I love just waking up in the morning getting to Disney World via the monogram sipping on some monorail morning come on somebody the pumpkin king Alice's tea party I mean just I know so there's so so good so delicious we uh so today, the today we did Ghoulish Delight. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Uh, it had cho- like chocolate hints to it. Mm-hmm. It literally, if you close your eyes and smell it, it smelled like melted chocolate. Mm. Love that. Um, then we did uh, the pumpkin midnight pumpkin, mm-hmm, which is pumpkin and which like blueberry, per- which is perfect for Cinderella. Cinderella. And that's how I forgot. We love to 
uh, theme our snack yes. with our episode and there we go yep cinderella themed tea and then you had a third there was a third one we did alice's tea party oh, that's right which we which we had already filmed alice's tea party before but it would have been another great when we do looking through the looking, through glass, the looking glass we'll bring it back again. uh if you want to try some tea yes, you can use our code uh it's so cute the code is scary tea and you can get 20 percent off uh, limit one use per person and you can find our friends on instagram at trader nicks tea or you can go to www.tradernickstea.com get you some tea today use our code and just enjoy some magic just, and just, adventure all yeah, in right, a just, sit, one sip just enjoy some infused tea with magic and adventure there you go perfect come on somebody's time for true crime let's I do know. it here we go I said, what if we just started every episode with that episode of Spongebob where, yeah, what is it? Why does he do that the whole time? I don't know. He's talking to all the other fishes, I think, and he thinks they communicate. Oh, it's when they go to rock. Side note. We're not a, we're not a, <laughs> this is the second half of our it's episode. when they go to rock bottom. And it's a scary place at the bottom of the sea and they all speak like this. <laughs> only speak with we're just a SpongeBob podcast now. <laughs> okay, well, that's oh. you're gonna need that to carry you through what what's about to happen because it's really sad. And let me tell you this: I had somebody ask me the other day. Her name's Judith. Hi, Judith. She listens to the podcast. She said, "How do you talk about these crimes and like not just like be totally devastated and cry?" And here's what I told Hannah: I said, "I'm not. First of all, I'm not a crier. Second of all, I only the only things that really make me cry are elderly people." And then I explained to Hannah, I said, or like I w- was watching a video about the Navy SEALs that went in and killed Osama bin Laden. And she goes, you cried because a terrorist died? Well, the, yeah. The way you I didn't said explain it that. You, the way you explained it to me the first time is you said, I only cry over old people and terrorists. Oh, and I needed a lot more context. Oh, what I meant. Lacey's just a lot stronger emotionally than me. We'll just put it that way. Oh. That's why she does all the like. But just to be clear, I meant like extreme patriotism. Yes. And just go watch that interview and you'll just cry for days. Or like soldiers coming home visiting their kids. I can't do that. I cry. Or like animals every, dying. I cry like Hannah, everything. So Hannah cries. It's honestly a miracle we're on whatever number episode we are. Okay. So anyways. The, and this one's going to be bad. I can This tell. one is going to be bad. And I wanted to bring that up because, um, yes, these things do. And I've been reading about this case for days. So like I'm, I've seen it. You know what I mean? But today we are going to be talking about a case that involves a very evil stepmother, just a piece of crap human Wor- being. Worse than the stepmother in Cinderella. Yes. Like significantly. Somebody should cut her boobies off. That's what we're going to say. But she's going to get something worse than that in the end. So here we go. Are you ready? I guess. Um, if you are, um, which no one uh, I guess is used to talking about child abuse, but if you are, if that, you know, that's trigger warning, yeah. yeah. Um, then you can click off now. We have lots of other episodes. But um, on April 23rd, 2003, a little girl named Amani Moss was born to her father, Iman Moss, and her mother. Uh, Amani was obviously named after her father, Iman, which is sad, uh, very sad, considering where the story goes. But 
Amani's mom was known to struggle with substance abuse, and so she surrendered all of her rights to Amani to her father. And from what I could see, she never had a relationship with her mother, and um, her father, Iman, was the one who was raising her. And it seemed like he was doing a pretty good job at first. I didn't see any complaints initially, but Iman was reportedly charged with beating Amani's mother in front of her. And so he, in 2004, was charged with battery and second-degree trial cruelty because he did it in front of Amani. Um, but still, nevertheless, Amani ends up living with her father. And they attend Freedom Christian Church regularly, regularly, which is where Iman meets a woman by the name of Tiffany Moss. Tiffany is a preschool teacher. She said she... Anytime they asked her like what she got her degree in, she never came out and said. She just said she went to college, and she's like a pre-K teacher, which, uh, do you, teacher lady, do you have to have a degree for that? I think, I don't know. I, don't, I think techni- technically prob- you probably do, but. I just feel like she's lying. She's a, you'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. Initially, Amon and Tiffany were just friends. They saw each other at church, but then they started going out and eating meals together and formed a relationship. And then in July of 2009, um, they were married. And in 2010, Tiffany finds out that she's pregnant and eventually has a little boy named Tristan. Let me catch my breath. All this got me really tired. (laughs) I literally can't breathe. (laughs) Okay. Um, It's also in 2010, Amani was six at this time, when one day at work, Amon gets a phone call from the police stating that he needs to come home immediately because there was a family emergency. So when he gets home, he learns that Amani's school teacher had called the police and said that she noticed whelps on Amani's body. And when asked what they were from, Amani told her teacher that she had gotten a quote-unquote spanking, but come to find out these marks were from the metal part of a belt that she was beat with. And Amani said she had gotten in trouble for not finishing her homework. So I was watching the trial, and I watched the teacher's testimony, and she's just crying the whole time, talking about how beautiful of a child Amani was. She was always well-behaved. She was always polite. Uh, and she, the only real problem she had with Amani was Amani couldn't finish her homework. But when she was in class doing her work, she did fine. It was just finishing the homework. I was about to say, so many kids, if if they have problems with finishing homework, especially just depending on like demographically or like lower age, a lot of that falls on the, the parents. parents. Yeah. So, not telling my high mm-hmm. school kids that they could not do their homework and right. like get away with it. But I'm saying there are a lot of times factors that you don't see. And when it is those younger age children, I mean, she's what, six, Mm -hmm. then she's not responsible enough to go home and do her own homework unless she has someone there helping her. Yeah. So. Tiffany was arrested for beating Amani and the court gave Tiffany Moss five years of probation and she did lose her job as a preschool teacher. She obviously couldn't by law work with children. Yeah. You have to do like a background check every year. So that's not going to fly. So in the beginning, I never saw reports where Tiffany had a problem with Amani. Um, he was Amon was asked in court if Tiffany seemed to be hesitant to date him because she he had a kid, and he said no, and there wasn't a problem in the beginning. But I feel like this probably escalated things, mm. and um, it just keeps going downhill from there. So after this, Amani had to move in with her grandmother Robin, which is her father's mom. 
for six months. And during this time, Tiffany was required to take anger management classes and her and Iman both had to take in-home counseling. And Iman testified that they were both taught different options for discipline other than spanking. He said he was quote unquote old school. And I guess he thought that was the only option, which I think there's a difference, but I don't know everyone's opinion on spanking. Like, I like it's I more deserved controversial it sometimes. now than it was back then. <laughs> but there's yeah. a difference between spanking and beating. Like sometimes you just need a little slap on the butt. I'm sorry, that's my opinion. But this was more well, than well, that. And I think certain situations call for that. Mm-hmm. Like a kid not finishing their homework is probably not justifiable enough mm-hmm. for that versus like something that is detrimental to a kid's like health and, and physical and yeah. safety. Like, I mean, I got spanked when I ran away from my mom in the library, mm-hmm. but that was like a for my physical safety mm-hmm. so that I didn't get like kidnapped. Right. Not because I didn't finish my homework f- for math problems. Yeah. Amon said that he believed that after this counseling, Tiffany was using these new forms of discipline. And so I do have to give it to him. Amon worked two jobs because Tiffany now doesn't have a job. She's not allowed to work um, in that field at least. And he was only home three hours during the daylight hours. And most of that time he was sleeping. So even though he wasn't around often and when he was around, he was sleeping, he didn't know everything that was going on or how Amani was being disciplined all the time. So I will give him that. Amani's grandmother, Robin, begged Amon to let Amani to continue to live with her. She loved Amani. She loved Amani being there with her. But he said no, and he later said that he felt like he had something to prove to his mom, and it was his pride that allowed Amani to go back and live with her father and Tiffany, which I have no idea how that was allowed for a child to go back and live with her abuser. I know. I was thinking, I was just thinking the same thing. It's like, that blows my mind. Apparently after they finished that counseling and whatever, that they were good to go. They got a green light. I don't, I'm sure that's, that's not the rule now. I was about to say, I hope I, it's not. I'm, I'm sure that is not the case anymore. Around the time Amani moved back in with Tiffany and Amon, Tiffany had another little girl named Emma, and so things were very tense. The house was very crowded. Like I said, Tiffany can't work. Money's tight. To save money, at one point, they move in with Tiffany's mom, Pearlie, and Pearlie later testified that she never saw any signs of abuse. She was never concerned with Amani's health, but to watch her testimony, she just... She's covering for her own daughter. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. I mean, she has no biological connection to Imani, so she's covering for her yep. own kid. Finally, they were able to save up money, and Amon, Tiffany, Imani, and her two siblings were able to move into an apartment. And this is where they were living in 2012 when the apartment complex had called the police because Amani was in the apartment's business office and said that she did not want to go home and that she was scared to go home. So I imagine she just got off the bus, went to the apartment complex, found an adult, and um, like just bless her heart. I, I know. That's, that's brave to I do. And when the cops came, Amani said that Tiffany was – Uh, had punished her by tying her to a chair and putting her in an ice cold shower, which is one of my worst nightmares besides like just sticking me in a shower full of roaches. I I can't imagine that. That's like a form of torture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the cops show up, but they couldn't find any evidence of bodily harm. I guess she didn't currently have any bruises on her and there's no way to prove that she was put in a cold shower. I I was about to say, I guess an ice cold shower wouldn't. Yeah. Do any outside damage. Do a lot of like long term Mm -hmm. physical evidence. And they didn't have enough evidence, so Amani, uh, things just carried on as normal. Amani went back to live with Tiffany and Amon. The cops were called several more times because Amani had 
quote-unquote run away and one of these times she was found by one of the police who were called to the scene sleeping in a bush in the apartment complex and each time it was portrayed by tiffany that amani was lying so amani was released back into her custody each time which why do you think a child would rather sleep in a freaking bush bush. no yeah no i ain't sleeping in a tent in the backyard for with a campfire and s'mores it's not like a one-time thing like if this is a multiple offense then Mm -hmm. you have to assume like you have to look further into it right Tiffany had pulled Amani out of school to homeschool her. N- that n- nope. N- another red flag, which her Amon's sis- siblings and mother were all like, "Nope, what is going on, Amon? You need to look into this." But they had little say so in the matter. Amon and pretty much everyone else that knew Amani and cared about her started to notice that she was losing a lot of weight. Amon, in particular, thought that this was a result of an extreme growth spurt. And he said that when he was home with her on the weekends, Tiffany would kind of leave the kids with him on the weekends and go party and stuff. Uh, Imani was always eating and just stuffing her face, um, probably because she was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he chalked it up to it being a growth spurt. One day when Amon gets home from work, he notices that Amani's hair had been cut. She always had this really long, beautiful hair, and it looked like it had just been haphazardly chopped off and at one point Amon's sister asked Tiffany what happened to Amani's hair and Tiffany supposedly responded with if you act ugly you look ugly no so and then it later came out that she cut her hair as a form of punishment I don't know if she said she smarted off or what but she cut her hair yikes you don't touch a girl's hair period no and like you see stories of like kids like chopping off their Mm -hmm. own hair and that's one thing but if Someone else does that to you as a form of punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's she bad. Yeah. Amon said that Tiffany was constantly texting him while he was at work to complain about Amani. And the two occasions that he mentioned in court were um, both cases where he said Amani was smearing her poop on the walls or putting it in her oatmeal. And everyone that knew Amani knew she wouldn't do this. She never acted out. She never had behavioral problems. And it, even if she did do this and was starting to have behavioral problems, like it's warranted. She's why. being tortured. Yeah. yeah. Figure out why she's having But problems. there was no evidence when he got home. There was no poop anywhere. She had never done anything like that before. So it's an unlikely story. On October the 29th, 2013, while Amon was at work, he gets a text from Tiffany And Tiffany says that something is wrong with Amani. She isn't looking good, and he needs to come home. So Amon somehow finishes his shift at work, which I'm sure we're just a star employee, it sounds like, and finish your work before you go home and check on your kid. I mean, I guess he has to be, though, if he's Mm -hmm. the only one. I mean, if he's the only one that has a job, he has Mm -hmm. to. if If he leaves early, he loses his job, and then he can't take care of his right. kid but i but if he, she's like she's dying then you know, i don't know you i guess it home. depends on how how detailed she was in that text when he gets home he finds amani in the bathtub and she is appearing to have a seizure he said she was trembling all over her eyes were going back and forth she was trying to speak but couldn't speak and instead of taking her to a doctor they keep amani at home and amani was kept in her room on her bed and Amon said that he tried to feed her a liquid diet with a spoon but that was not working it um it, he said quote unquote that Amani was beyond repair 
she was unable to walk at that point. She had gotten so weak and lost so much weight, and she was going to the bathroom in the bed, so she was soiling that herself. That all just, like, escalated real fast. Mm-hmm. Well, this entire time, people had noticed that she was right. way too like, thin. I know there's a lot of red mm-hmm. flags, but, it, I mean, science lady, is that? Can yeah, loss uh, of weight lead to seizures like that? Right, well, we'll get to it. Uh, okay. Oh, but, yeah, not, not eating, yeah. Okay. And I imagine okay. her blood sugar was really low and okay. that yeah Amon testified that he wanted to call 911 but tiffany freaked out she told him of you course she did can't call the police because she was on probation remember so instead of calling for help he left amani in her bed and then he went to his second shift at work like i said star employee he's gonna be employee of the month golly if he hadn't gone to jail he could have made something of himself but six days later amon gets a text from tiffany at work saying that amani was dead also, I love how all of these, Tiffany just texts him. Mm-hmm. Like, no phone call. No. You, she doesn't call his work. Nope. Just sends him a text and assumes Te- he'll see it when text, he sees it. Text, your daughter's dead. Amon, again, finishes out his day at work, <laughs> this guy, before going home. And he said that when he found Amani, she was cold and lifeless. I, I love when the um, attorney was like, Tell me how you knew she was dead. And he was like, I mean, I know what a, I know what death looks like, but how do you know? And he was like, she was cold. It's like, it's, anyways, I can't Torture. with some of these attorneys. He said that he, oh, he pointed out that Tiffany was just sitting on the couch and watching TV with the two other children in the living room while Imani was dead in Abs- the other room. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Tiffany told him again that he could not call the cops. So again, he leaves and goes back to work after what he finds. What is happening? He just he has to go to work, Anna. Oh, this that must be like in the moment PTSD where you just like you just start doing the thing, the only thing on, you know to yeah. do, and you just you're go on, on auto pilot. pilot yeah. yeah. Also, they were scared that if they call police, the other children would be taken away, which they're gonna. Probably, people are gonna know uh, that your yeah. child's missing. Yeah, people are gonna figure it out. So. One of the things I read also was that she was homeschooling Imani and she was doing Imani's online schoolwork to appear as Imani so it wouldn't look like Imani was missing. You couldn't see, but I just my eyes just rolled in the back of my head. <laughs> oh, I saw. Eventually, they wrap Imani's body in bed sheets and move her to the computer room for several days. And they are trying to wait until the weekend when Iman is off work so they can figure out what to do because Lord knows Iman's going to be at work when he needs to be at work. That weekend, they move Amani's body from the computer room back to her bed. And at this point, I've always said rigor mortis. The medical examiner kept saying rigor mortis. And I was like, oh, dang, learn something only, new every I've day. i only heard rigor. Yeah. He decides that he is going to try and cremate her body. That That's his plan. He goes to Walmart. He's seen on camera at Walmart buying black trash bags, lighter fluid, charcoal, and a big metal trash can one where, you know, the lid pops on and off it's not connected to the trash can but because of the rigor rigor whatever mortis they have to forcefully bend her body into a size that will fit into the trash can and to keep her body in that position they get duct tape and tape her into that position. which all of those things are just going to be like more proof of you know what you're doing you know what you're yeah. doing yeah it's strategical like it's not just like she accidentally fell in the trash can like mm-hmm. you manipulated her cold hard dead body and mm-hmm. taped it they load the trash can and their other two children into their truck. Uh, they just... Yep. It just keeps getting better. 
and drive around until they can find a place to burn the body. And he said that he drove for a really long time and was taking wrong turns and stuff, trying to stall because he really didn't want to do this, whether I believe that or not. Um, whatever. They finally find a secluded area and get the body out with it in the trash can. And he sets the body on fire, but soon realizes that the body is not deteriorating. And after burning for about an hour or so, they put the fire out wait for the trash can to cool off before loading the trash can and their kids back up in the truck and then take the truck back home with Amani's body in the trash can in the truck. So um, looked it up in order to cremate a body because there are tons of idiots that have tried this before. I was going to ask you if if you knew why the body didn't burn Mm -hmm. and then I was too scared to ask you because I figured if you knew the answer without doing any research that I was going to be concerned. I I did look it up, Hannah. In crematoriums, they turn the oven to 1,400 to 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit, and it normally takes two to three hours to disintegrate a body. Like, it's a special oven that can get that hot. It's not just a bonfire in the backyard. No, no. Yeah. That won't work. Just don't even try it. Don't try it. Um, Don't do it. So the weekend ends, and Amon has to go back to work. I feel like I've said that a million times. It's just in between everything that they do, just know that Amon Amon is at work. work. Mm -hmm. And he's going back and forth to work with this trash can with Amani's body in the back of his truck. One day, he finally breaks down and he calls his childhood best friend. And the childhood best friend gets in the truck with the body in the back. And Amon tells him what happens. And first of all, the friend was like, let me out this truck right now. And Amon's like, what should I do? And the friend was like, call 911 maybe. Uh, Thanks, bye. Can you imagine being that friend? I would immediately jump out of the car. My parents aren't being in this car. No, thank you. Thanks for putting me at the scene of the crime. Yeah, I'm not going to be a yeah conspirator in this. Amon finally gets a clue, and when he goes home, he tells Tiffany that he is going to call 911. And Tiffany again freaks out, but this time she loads her two kids up and drops them off at her mother's house. And she told her mom, I don't want to go to jail, changed her clothes, and then left. Amon calls 911, and... When they called the dis- the dispatcher, there was some discrepancy about what the call was actually about. For whatever reason, they initially thought it was a suicide call, which probably could have been. He was probably like... Well, I imagine if he's like, it's all my fault, it's all my mm-hmm. fault, it's all my fault. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. that distress sounds mm-hmm. like... Yeah. Like what I, what I imagine a lot of those calls would have sounded like. Either way, they're going to send cops out. So they do. And they get when they get there, they start talking to them, and he confesses about... Amani's body being in the trash can, which is um, outside on this kind of grassy area in front of their apartment. And he initially states that Amali, ha- Amali, pff, Amani had swallowed some chemicals, which I only saw like this was never explained, but I guess he realized really quickly, oh, that's They're stupid. They're going to find out yeah, that that's not true. Right? So they take him into custody. He's immediately arrested. And when they get to the police station, he confesses to everything. And obviously one of the cops on the scene lifts the lid to the trash can and finds... Sees C- seven. I mean, yeah. yeah. Sees Amani in, in the trash can. And Tiffany finally turns herself in. That surprises me. Yeah. Because she, she sounded I mean, like she was she, on the run. Right, but... They I mean, she wasn't going to, yeah, she wasn't going to get away, but it surprised mm-hmm. me that she turned herself in. Amon testified against Tiffany, his wife, to spare himself the death penalty. He took a plea deal. Tiffany went to trial and demanded to represent herself. She did not want an attorney, which I could see that. Uh, yeah. She's that, like, that she's part like a preschool teacher, me. Hannah. Yeah, she, she can, mm-hmm. well, and she's just mm-hmm. a freaking crook, so... Mm-hmm. 
freaking crook put it on a t-shirt put that on t-shirt the judge asked her several times like are you sure you don't want an attorney and she was like no i don't want an attorney i bet the judge too was like yeah i kind of feel like you're guilty so yeah i'm yeah. gonna let you represent yourself yeah, i'm just gonna let her out yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you mess this up so she wanted to represent herself and i watched most of this trial she literally does nothing the entire trial she doesn't uh, call any witnesses she doesn't object to anything literally nothing just sits there the whole time she looks like she's taking notes and has a smug smile on her face sometimes laughs uh, just yeah that's crook like you said or like just maniacal i mean mm -hmm. that's just that's just like psychotic mm -hmm. right there it came out during tri during trial that tiffany was starving amani that's the the, like primary uh, or mm -hmm. one of the initial things mm -hmm. started the whole thing during her autopsy amani had zero food in her stomach it said uh, the medical examiner she had like a ta tablespoon i believe of this like brown liquid stuff that was just like not i guess could have been bile or something it didn't look like a food substance but other than that literally zero food she was 10 years old and only weighed 32 pounds which is the average weight of a three-year-old Oh, dang. Her liver, kidneys, and spleen were all smaller than average. They they weighed a lot less than the normal 10-year-old. She had an 8-inch by 8-inch burn mark to her stomach, not a burn from him lighting her on fire. They could tell that it was an older burn mark. I guess they're assuming that she was burnt for punishment. She had a decubitus ulcer or a uh, pressure sore or a bed sore on her left buttock from laying in the bed and being unable to move. The medical examiner said that the cause of death was starvation and it, this was a homicide. During the trial, the jurors cried after seeing the photos of the trash can and the photos of the body because they obviously showed those during the autopsy and the courtroom was very emotional as one could imagine. The medical examiner went on to explain how painful death by starvation would be. Like I imagine like by the time I get home and I'm eating dinner and my stomach hurts because I'm having hunger pains and that's just mm -hmm. multiply that times infinity. Like I said, she did say that this was um, starvation by homicide and said that it is considered homicide because children are expected to have their needs met by their caregivers. Their caregivers should provide their basic needs. They're not able to do that for themselves um obviously you should feed your children if yeah that's real basic <clears throat> yeah and if you're not you're starving them you're killing them that's that's murder tiffany was found guilty and sentenced to death by lethal injection which surprised the crap out of me i don't know why i guess because it's not like a blatant like sh she didn't shoot her she didn't stab or anything like that and those people get away with that all the time without getting the but death penalty I was also, but i wonder if they get away with that more because they there's more like I don't know more arguments of like a self defense or like the or heat of the moment and this was like heat a of the, heat of the moment mm -hmm. passion or if it's like older ages against you know older ages versus you know a ten year old against an adult mm -hmm. yeah could be also Georgia also the South or oh is that where she, that's that where this uh -huh. was uh -huh, real yeah. I guess I should have said that in the beginning this all happened in Georgia oh. um, real loose with a death penalty down there so. They are trying to get this appealed, so she hasn't been put to death yet. Um, but right now, they're appealing this, stating that Tiffany was not mentally competent to stand trial. And one, I guess, doctor, they want to call themselves, said that on her brain scan, some, her frontal lobe like wasn't firing the same as a normal person would. Okay. She knew what she was okay. doing. She yeah, told him no. a million times, don't call 911. Because right. the, no. no. Who, who's going to buy that? 
Uh, Amon got life in prison without the possibility of parole. Like I said, he took that plea deal so he wouldn't get the death penalty. Amani's murder led to criticisms of the Georgia's child welfare system. They had a lot of chances in Amani's case. There were a lot of where, red flags. Yeah, where things were pointed out. A and lot not, of red flags where she should have been taken mm-hmm. away from both of them. A lot of people that were working with the child welfare system at that time were fired. And they also hired a lot of new people to reduce caseloads on the ones that were already working there. Because as we know, in yeah. nursing homes, even hospitals, like it's people just get it's a very hard job and it's not, you know, well paid job. And I don't want to, you know, just put a just crap on the DHR system because they are overrun and whatnot. But um, in this case, they definitely failed Amani. After Amani's death, um, along with several other abuse-related deaths that were going on in Georgia, uh, the governor, Nathan Deal, he commissioned a child welfare reform council. And so um, seems like they're working on things. Uh, then in 2018, Amani's grandmother, Robin, filed a lawsuit in the Gwinnett County State's Court against the child welfare system, arguing that caseworkers were aware of Amani's deteriorating conditions and the abuse that was going on in the Moss family and could have acted earlier but didn't. She's also suing them. Uh, quote, According to the lawsuit, there were multiple occasions where the department could have investigated the Moss household and intervened on behalf of Amani. As a result of negligence of the DFCS, or the welfare system, and its agents, Amani suffered constant abuse and deprivation from 2008 until her untimely death. The lawsuit also states, as a direct and proximate result of the defendant's wrongful conduct, plaintiff is entitled to recover for the wrongful death of Amani, including the full value of the economic and non-economic value of her life had she lived it. So... Uh, good for her, Robin. Get it. The, yeah, the grandmother's trying to mm-hmm. like, you know, make changes and yeah, fight for fight for Amani's life or story. Mm-hmm. Side note: I read where Amani's two siblings were placed in the foster system and eventually adopted by their foster family. I did see where Amani's family, other family members, um, on Amon's side, were fighting for the children. I'm not sure why they didn't get them, but oh, this one didn't end. Great. We had yeah. a couple changes within the child welfare system, but yeah. at the end of the day, end of the day, it's just a horrible, horrible story. There was another case where that documentary was on Netflix that I, you know, what I'm talking about. Same thing. the The mom was like making the kid eat cat litter. You know Ew, what I'm talking no. about? No. I I I'm I, probably, I, pop, I blocked that out. I'm probably not gonna watch that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you brought this child into the world. Well, not Tiffany, but Amon. And, yeah. uh, and Timmy has two other children. Yeah, but but that she seemingly likes and takes care of. I was gonna say of. that they were fine. But an evil person, but also an evil step sister. Yeah, evil. I mean, we don't. Know, I mean, not we step don't know sister. This, step, yeah, step we don't mom. know if the siblings were evil step. They were three and one. So so and no. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they got out of that situation early yeah. enough to where they were not like compromised. It's this was not a Cinderella story no. unfortunately but it did no have an evil happily, stepmom no happily ever after for that one but definitely besides evil. the fact that um tiffany's um they're, they're in jail yeah. yeah 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 i mean just justice was served to an mm-hmm. ex- i mean to the extent it probably could have been oh so wah, wah. yeah thanks for that maybe we should start with the true crime from now on and then the story and then it, <laughs> maybe uh, i'm 
okay so we can end sleep tight yeah so uh, we can end with something positive now after that you can follow us scary tales podcasts on instagram yes right um, now we're having a giveaway it only lasts till tuesday and this won't come out before then so never mind <laughs> Just but if you check our instagram we do try to give away stuff every now and then yeah um whether it's scary tales uh logo stickers st- stickers whether snacks. It's snacks we give away some of our extra snacks we have polls we like to know your favorite disney villains disney yep, characters thoughts on us, disney yeah, things give us a little insight on things that you'd like to see mm-hmm. just um, head on over and if you yeah, want to um trader nick's tea use the code scary tea get 20 percent off and then let us know how you like it and it's scary tea t-e-a you actually spot, yeah. you know a little confusing yeah. scary tales could have been Oh, like right. Like going with like a right, nickname, right, right. Scary Tea. Uh-huh. Um, and there you no, have it. it. was delicious. Yeah. yeah. So get you some tea, sleep tight. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to all the stepmoms out there that are great. Yeah. We mm-hmm. believe in you. Mm-hmm. Let's change the story. It's always let's an evil stepmom. Let's get an evil s- stepdad. Or, or let's just all, let's just not, let's just not have anybody evil. Yeah. Let's Everybody just, be, just good. be good and don't starve your children. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you next time. Have a great week, and we love you. Sleep tight. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.